Welcome to the Real Estate Explainer podcast, where we talk about anything and everything real estate. I'm your host, Brian Kixula. Take notes. Today, we've got Neil Dempsey talking about investing in mixed-use warehouses and storage facilities in Texas. Hey, Neil, just wanted to say thanks for jumping on the podcast with me today. We've done quite a few cost segregation studies for you over the last few years. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on was because you're primarily a residential guy. You buy your real uh, residential real estate investor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, surrounding area. And then uh, I think it was just last year, or maybe even a couple of months ago, you came across some warehouse mixed use property, and then some storage facilities. And that's really what I want to cover today. So let's just jump in. And if you could tell everybody, you know, kind of where, where you're at, and then sure. uh, what your primary market is, and then let's talk about these acquisitions, because sure. I think it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, so uh, we're 419 properties. We're out of the DFW market here in Texas. Pretty competitive. I live probably a 30, 45 minutes southwest of Fort Worth in a town called Granbury. And we do primarily single family stuff. I've been doing it since probably 2006. Acquired a lot of rentals over the years. And are, are you buying these properties uh, or are you retail? Are you a retail agent or are you actively well, purchasing these properties? Yes. By default, I am a broker just so that we can move our own inventory. I've got a few agents, but it's not a business that I actively pursue or really want to grow. But we've got... Yes, I'm a broker. I've got licensed agents. So when we do our flips, it saves us little bit on a commission. I've got a discount. But that's, that's not your key, key business no, model. No, it's just kind of some additional stuff. I've, we just hired a dispo guy that's a licensed agent that will be moving all our flips. We are getting more and more into wholesaling. I had a partner through probably like 2016, 2017. We dissolved that partnership. Me and my wife really enjoyed real estate. So we went all in together. We were pretty content kind of with the rental portfolio that we had. So we were just trying to do 20, 25 deals a year. And we ended up hiring a uh, integrator that basically came in and realized that we could turn this into like a true business. So we're now went from a mom and pop investor to trying to grow this into a legitimate business with AMs, Dispo, TCs, all the above. And I love that. I love the fact that you've taken a traditional, let's say, real estate business and now you're looking at, okay, what can we do with it? You brought somebody onto your team that is able to help you open up different opportunities. So that's yeah, that is like really cool. Index, kind of a personality test. We realized we had the formula to grow right. this. Me being a visionary, my wife was more sales and uh, Will Wright's an integrator. But anyway, so from there, we just started, we're building a team out. We've got probably uh, two AMs, kind of an AM junior, a dispo, an office manager. We're still growing. So an AM, an acquisition manager, you've got someone who's looking at actively acquiring property. They're going out in the market doing probably mailers, callers. And then you also have another another person doing dispositions, helping you offload those properties, the ones that you're not going to keep in your portfolio. Yeah. And as we've grown, I mean, I think last year we contracted 75 properties. So we're kind of in that weird, like between a small and getting bigger So we're adding people that we're kind of in a weird growth phase of like bringing in people, but we don't have enough enough work for them yet. But I'm now putting the gas down on marketing, increasing direct mail, other online lead sources that we're doing. We do a lot of SEO, a lot of PPC, uh, mainly inbound. Got it. Nice. Most expensive, but they're 
the easier ones to actually close. higher quality leads, uh, yeah, yep, better, better uh, conversion like, rates. I don't know what it is, but it's like maybe one in fifteen SEO leads we close, and I would say of those fifteen leads, we four, three or four were what we would call true qualified leads, and I think we close one in three, one in four. Um, so okay. it's a high close ratio. But anyways, through all this, the ultimate plan with our company was to build my wife out of this. She loves this job, but she doesn't really want to do it full time. She wants to do more project based. She is our really our go getter, our killer on the team that um, sure yeah. in acquisition, acquisitions. We want to target her towards just big projects and more project based versus being tied to a phone and having to answer a lead in the middle of dinner and that kind of stuff. So and also, I mean, that that kind of pulls us right into what we were, you know, talking about before we hit record was, you know, where you guys are at now and some of the other opportunities that you're looking at. And I think that that's such a cool thing. You know, specifically, I think it's the office that you're sitting in right now, yeah. Yeah. one of the properties that you acquired. And it's not your, it's definitely not your cookie cutter normal property. It's not something you'd go in and say, oh, you know, that's a warehouse or, you know, oh, that's sure. an office building. It's going to be a mixed use project. So when you look at it from an investor's standpoint, it kind of makes you scratch your head. How am I going to, how am I going to get this occupied? How am I going to generate revenue from it? Can you just tell, you know, tell us a little bit about where you're at and what, what you did with that specific deal? Yeah. So this one's actually the storage unit, but I was renting, I was a tenant here. 14 months ago and had been renting a few years. And I knew the, the older gentleman was going to sell it. And I didn't think we would come to an agreement. We found another commercial space, which is that mixed space you're talking about that's got kind of some industrial space, got an old house, has a few acres that we could turn into whatever we want, develop it out. And I think we will in time. So we were going to move over there and just take that old house over and turn it into our office. And then the uh, older gentleman and I kind of came to an agreement. And a big push of this was the cost seg part of it. I definitely overpaid a lot. But being able to to buy this, there's four office suites. And then I think it had 140 storage units. And then this year, we added another 100 units to that. Um, okay. So just, just the whole cost seg part of all that was just... I think we ended up I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was over half a million just buying this building that we got on a tax break. Now, going into it, did you know that you were going to add those additional storage units in the back? And I remember yes. we talked about it. Were you? Did you end up doing the a freestanding storage facility or did you end up doing the pod structures that we had talked about? No, I ended up just building traditional. I'm outside a, a pretty high-end subdivision con plantation and... There's like 3,500 homes in there. They're, they're about to put another thousand in there and then it's capped. And okay. I just, I felt like if I went to like, you know, store C containers we talked about or either pods that we could move around, I just, I wanted to kind of keep it nice and as clean as I could. The other property, the two acres there, I'm very much considering something like that. I haven't made any decisions there yet, but no, we, and I wanted climate control. So we did. Uh, I don't know, 60 units of those, I think, are climate controlled. Did some big RV like drive in. We finished them in August and my existing units I bought, we averaged like 95% occupancy just because everyone drives by here. So I thought it'd be a no brainer. So we built all these units out and I'm like, okay, we'll be rented by December. But I had nothing really to base that off other than a, a want to. And uh, I think we're now 
probably build it and they will come. That was the the motto there. They're coming and they are coming. They're probably coming at a standard pace and maybe even a fast pace, but not as quick as I would have hoped. But I think we're low 80s now. It's across the unit, all the units, um, like I said, 240. So we're we're close and we're adding. We track it weekly and we're seeing it or yeah, weekly and monthly. We're seeing it, the occupancy pick up. So it's kind of, but I still have two acres back there that I could, I mean, the sky's the limit on that. I could add another couple hundred units if I wanted to there. I that's don't pretty know. amazing. So you're in an area that's growing, you're filling up, you're at almost 80% occupancy and you can, you've got two more acres that you can build out on. So really yeah. getting this, this project put together has opened up just a ton of opportunities. And you said, you know, before that you got it, this, this was not necessarily an opportunity that you were going to be able to act on. What moved the needle for the the seller on it? I knew he was going to sell at some point. Um, he was probably eighty, but he loved this job, and like he was up here. So I, I'd been been his friend for three years and been working on him. Like when it's time, let me know. And they are very very smart business people, and they they priced it probably a little high. I mean, they knew, but they knew the market. I think what actually decided me to well. Once they decided to sell, what actually where we came to agreement was they offered some seller financing terms, which was huge. Um, I mean, interest rates were eight percent at the time. They did a thirty-year amortization at five percent with a twenty-year balloon. So I've got twenty years at five percent, and that was hard to beat. Oh, that's great! Yeah. And then you add in the uh, the cost seg part of it, and it was like I don't mind overpaying a little bit, plus the opportunity to add maybe two hundred fifty, three hundred more units. I knew it would all wash out, and um, but now I'm in uncharted waters. I'm not an expert in this space, so it's been a little. <laughs> I'd like to thank today's sponsor, U.S. Tax Advisors Group, a cost segregation company. To get a free estimate on a cost segregation study, log on to realestateexplainer.com and click the cost segregation link at the top of the page. Now with the financing piece on the other side of that, how did you do it with the owner financing piece? Was he in first position and you found somebody to come in in second position and then you brought in probably a pretty sizable down payment? Yeah. So I brought in a sizable down payment. The add-on, I had a bunch of uh, properties that were paid off. So I just borrowed against them and basically loaned that money to this business and used that for the... We put about an $800,000 um, development on here. So I think I took a loan on like six rental properties that I had in the in DFW area. And then with those properties or with that loan, is that including the the financing or the new construction on the, the project? Or did you get yeah, a, in, a separate in, loan for that? Indirectly. There, so okay. there's only one loan on this property and it is the owner finance loan. But I I leveraged some of my oh, paid off. I see what you did. Yeah, Took that capital and built on here. And I've still got a fair amount paid off that I could do more, but I don't know what we're going to do. We're probably going to self-add and just, you know, through would be a cash flow and things like that and just be like, all right, well, here's 150 grand. Let's add one little building, you know, and then just got it. Kind of the monopoly style. Um, so I'm, leveraging, leveraging the yeah, other properties the, to buy this property. Off and then, onto yeah. an 800K development when I'm not a developer kind of stressed me out a little bit and I don't know anything about it. So uh, <laughs> dealing, with, dealing with the, the county and putting in some electricity and the climate control and all that. So, And are you also managing, managing the prop, property itself or do you have managers? So, there? There's four office suites up here. Um, I have an office manager right next door to me. She kind of splits her time with plantation storage is the name of this one and my house business, 419 property. So 
you know, we probably get walk in two or three clients a day. Uh, so right. we need someone up here, but it's a lot of downtime. So she's writing contracts, doing bookkeeping, you know, whatever we need her to do, helping us with listings. She kind of fills in and, and does that part for us. Yeah. So really taking advantage of the the office suites that are on that yep. property. You're there already. You're able to to manage the the storage facility, really oversee the the project itself while you're still focusing on yep. yeah, she, the other I side of the I actually spent a month of it in Colorado this summer while it was in the heat of all the construction. So she was here managing the contractors. And or, well, we had a main GC, but managing that GC and and she did a very good job. She stayed a, I got daily photos of things that she wanted, like leaving trash out or because we had existing sure. clients. It was an add-on within. Like I basically filled a lot of dead space within here. So we had to be keep in mind of like where traffic could get to steal the backside of the units and that kind of stuff. So there was just a lot of dead space and we just kind of pieced it in. Let's kind of uh, transition over to the other acquisition that you made too, again, because what we're talking about is you were going under contract to acquire a property because you didn't think that you were going to be able to purchase this property, the one that you wanted. So you bought another property. And again, this is not your normal property. Like I was saying earlier, this has got a a couple of mixed use warehouses. It's got a single family home on it. And it, it still has opportunity to develop other parts yeah. of it. What ended up going on with that? Walk us through that one a yeah, little bit so after you acquired it. When I acquired it, there were five spaces to be rented out. There was three tenants, two of them paying, one not paying. So I've got a property manager that manages all my uh, traditional rentals. So I brought him in. He's kind of a hard nose, no nonsense type guy. So the guy that hadn't you been have paying to be, yeah. for a year and a half, I got him involved. And it took us probably four or five months to get him out. We did a little remodel on the house and then we just started leasing them all up. We are fully occupied. We're probably collecting close to 7,000 in rent between all the buildings. Um, Purchase price was like 585. I have yet to put a permanent loan on this. It it was acquired with other cash from other resources, but at some point I'm going to put a loan on that. And it will probably kill most of my cash flow with the interest rates the way they are. But I'll probably try to borrow as much as I can and try to get as much capital back. But maybe this summer, I'm thinking. But I wanted to get maybe a year worth of rental history in there since it was not performing before that. Yeah. So you bought an underperforming asset. You were able to, and you were going to move into it. Uh, yeah. At you know, the time move I into was that unit. concerned about, you know, we, we'd get there. Now I have two commercial assets and I'd never really owned. I mean, I'd had some 12 unit apartments and things like that, but all residential type stuff, not extra, you know, things without beds. I mean, that's, I try to focus in things that have beds. So anything that someone's got to lay their head down. I mean, my thought is if the economy goes down, you know, these storage units, I I think they'll still do well. But if I can't pay my rent, I'm definitely not paying my storage unit. And I'm going to try to do everything I can to pay my home rent that, you know, where I've got Absolutely, to really yeah. So, so here so, you go from having no commercial or very, very little experience in commercial. And all of a sudden you've got not just one project and it's not just the project, but now you have two projects and both of these projects have, they're multifaceted. It's not just one warehouse. It's not just one building. It's the warehouses, the, what did end up happening with that house? Who ended up taking that as a tenant? Uh, just a normal person moved in it, like so a residential. Family. Yeah, so and it's it was not, not converted to an office. It was uh, no. 
So before the other gentleman died, like we talked about building storage out there and he went and walked it with me and I got his thoughts of like, you know, you can make 1700 bucks on this house or we can demo it all and put a bunch of storage units there. And you started looking at, you know, the best, highest, best use of land. And that definitely was way higher. So I think I would have been open to a lot of that ideas, but I've been focused over on this other property, getting it stabilized. And we're about there and we'll turn our attention back over there now. And we'll do something for sure with the two acres. I don't know what it's going to look like yet because it's on like a secondary highway of, of our city here in Granbury that in Granbury is like the, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but like one of the largest growing small towns in America, like people are flooding here. We keep winning these awards. I wish they'd quit giving us the awards and the recognition because it's getting really crowded here. And that secondary road, well, it's uh, Acton Highway is what they call it, but it's a single rate uh, lane road, but it w- it's growing over there. And at some point there'll be probably a stoplight right where my I'm right on the corner of a busy intersection or future intersection. So part of me is wrestling with like, how much infrastructure do I want to put in here permanently versus what will this property be worth in 10, 15, 20 years? So that's kind of where we talked about some of the maybe mobile storage of dropping it down. And then I can always pull that away and put it down the street on, you know, buy some land and still have storage and then develop that to 50 unit apartment or whatever that little area of land. Can be yeah, used. I think that's definitely something to take into consideration when you've got an asset that you know is, you know, the community's changing around you. Do you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars developing something that maybe isn't the highest in best use of that land in a couple of years? Yeah. I don't think you should. I think you should, you know, really look at what are they doing in that community and what do you what do you predict's going to be there? Because sure. if you could maybe convert it into a couple of, uh, I don't know, land leases, get a 99-year land lease on a corner where they build a CVS, put in a gas station on one yeah. side, all of a sudden you've got a, a real intersection and you've got already you know mixed-use commercial on that parcel. So, sure. I mean, what a huge opportunity. So I think, you know, looking at that and doing those, you know, temporary storage facilities might be a good option. Because again, when it comes back to, you know, tax benefits, you know, that's personal property. You can pick that up and move it and take it with you. So what a, what a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That or, or fence it in and just make it like an open parking lot. Like I, I keep hearing about these, like people wanting to park their 18 wheelers and stuff. And it's still out of the city enough that it wouldn't be an eyesore. And I've been hearing people getting like two, 300 bucks for like, a lane. I don't know how many I can put in there, 20 or 30. And I'm thinking that might be an option. All I got to do is put some caliche down, just something in a fence. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm starting to feel better that this place is leasing up, like I said. So I'll, I will focus and try to make a move on do something over there that makes more sense. Well, what a cool thing. Uh, we could go ahead and wrap up the podcast. I think we've really nailed these two properties. But before we let you go, what is the best way? How can people reach you if they uh, want more information on, you know, just, I mean, you've got a lot going on, whether it's sure. on the residential side or on the commercial side. I'm happy to help in any way. I've, I've helped people in the past. I mean, my only thing that if, if you do ask for help, I ask that you take action. Like I don't, I don't like helping people that just want one info and never take action. But my email's Neil, N-E-I-L at, and it's 419properties.com, F-O-U-R-1-9 properties.com. And happy to connect with anyone that'd like to reach out or um, grab lunch, whatever. 
And I was on uh, your website today, 419 Properties. You guys have a really cool story. Definitely support where you're coming from and what you're doing. And I would just encourage you guys, if you're looking for either to buy or sell a property in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth market, to reach out because he can certainly help. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd like to get connected with today's guest, log on to realestateexplainer.com and click the Get Connected button on the homepage.